Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, good morning, church. Welcome to week five of Signs, Wonders and Miracles. Two weeks with Peter, two weeks with me, and I'm going to continue on today. The first week I shared about my journey, about my journey in Signs, Wonders and Miracles, not just knowing that God could do it, but growing in the understanding, the belief and the application that he would do it. Growing in confidence, growing in uh, my beliefs that he's a good God, wanting to do good things all the time. Um, and that was the week one that I shared for the first time. And I said the, the phrase, why not me? It was a big deal in my heart when I read the Gospels and the book of Acts and then the writings of Paul and Peter and John and the other writers in the New Testament. And I was challenged and stirred, confused and curious. And I asked the question, why not me? And I said to you guys, why not you? This lifestyle of not just talking about Christianity, but doing it with word and deed, with announcing the gospel, sharing the gospel, just simply to a friend over coffee, and also backing it up with, hey, can I pray for you? Because God wants to heal you. And actually starting to do the works of God, starting to do the will of God. Why not me? Why not you? And then last week we spoke about growing, my journey of growing in it. Yes, okay, it's God's will to heal. I get that. I got that. But then it had to continually grow. Confidence had to grow. Understanding had to grow. Okay, cool. You've sent me out, Jesus. It is your will to heal. What next? And I had to go on the journey of understanding that power and authority had been given to me. And it's like a gift, power and authority. You can receive a gift and not open it. The gift is right there in front of you. But if you don't open the gift, you can't access what's inside under the wrapping paper. It's like that, power and authority. It's been freely given to us. And it's up to us to open it up and to grab it and to play with it, so to speak, to use it, to apply it. And I had to do that. I couldn't continue the journey of being stirred and then saying, why not me? And then wanting to grow in it without this power and authority deal. So we're going to continue the thought of power and authority today. We'll open it up in a couple of different ways. And uh, I feel that the Lord's going to keep adding to us on this journey that we're on. Lots of great testimonies coming through of people seeing need. Lots of great testimonies of people starting to approach people. Um, which is really exciting. Our heart is that every one of us do this every day. And it's not at an obligation. It's not to tick a box. It's not to get a testimony. It's not another notch on the belt. It's not so he loves us. No, 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 none of that. It's because we want to, we get to, and it's just part of us and we can't help but not do it. That's the goal. This is the goal of Echo Church that every single person, every single day approaches someone they don't know because God's moving in them. He's touching them. He's stirring them. They're being controlled and compelled by love. They've got power and authority. They know it's his will to move, to heal, to touch, to deliver, to share Jesus. And, and they're, they're at this point now where I cannot help, like Jeremiah. I can't help but speak about what I've heard. It's like a fire shut up in my bones. Let's look at Matthew 9.35, a really important verse for us. Matthew 9.35, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every disease and every sickness. I love the combo of teaching and preaching and announcing the gospel of the kingdom and also healing every disease and every sickness. At Echo, we have a high value for the Word of God. We, we say it, we announce it, we agree that the Word of God is the authoritative Word of God. It's God-breathed, God-inspired, it's useful for teaching, preaching, addressing, rebuking, correcting, and equipping and empowering everything we need to do in this life and everything that our relationship with the Lord entails the promises the prophecies what's possible for us in him and also what's possible for us and others with him moving through us the word of god critical we can't know anything about god without the word of god we can't know that he loves us if it wasn't for his word his word articulates and describes who he is but we also know that it's got to be backed up The whole purpose of the Word of God is for us to experience the author, to encounter the author, to know what he's like, to know his ways and what he is like. Announcing what is available, Jesus did that. Proving what is available, Jesus did that. He taught and preached and healed all disease and all sickness. I love it. Matthew 9.35, important verse, but I love what happened in Matthew chapter 1, just a short few verses later. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Wow, this is Matthew 10.1. Matthew 9.35, it said that Jesus went throughout all the cities teaching in the synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every sickness. Now we see in verse 1 of chapter 10 that Jesus summoned his 12 disciples in and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and every sickness. Jesus healed every disease and every sickness and then he gave authority to his followers, disciples, believers to heal every disease and every sickness. Wow. John 14, 12 backs this up when he says, hey guys, if you've got faith in me and what I've been doing, then you will do greater. You will do the works that I've been doing and you will do greater works. Wow. Let's skip forward to Matthew 10, 7 to 8. So we've got Matthew 9, 35, Jesus doing it. Then we've got Matthew 10, 1, him saying, I did that, but now you can do it too because I'm giving you authority. And then we move down to verse 7 and 8, which proves and articulates and defines the will of God for our life. Matthew uh, Matthew 10, 7 to 8. As you go, so he's given him authority, and then he says, as you go, preach, simply means announce, share, speak, saying, the kingdom of heaven has come near, heal the sick, Raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Your freely giving is solely determined by whether you have freely received. Freely understood that he's better than you think. Freely understood that that line isn't an offering message, it's a signs, wonders and miracles message. 
Understanding that you've freely been given power. Understanding that you've freely been given authority. Understanding that you've freely been given the understanding and the opportunity and the grace to believe that it is His will to heal everybody all the time. Regardless of what we see and regardless of our past experience. Because our past experience can never dictate what the Word of God says. The Word of God is always true and always right. And our life and and what we believe for must adjust to the Word of God. Challenging, but it's possible. Freely have received, freely give. Why not me? Why not you? This is the will of God. Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. Jesus came to reveal and do the Father's will. Raising the dead, cleansing those with leprosy, casting out demons, healing the sick, freely you have received, freely give, is the will of God. How do we know this? Thanks for asking. John 4.34, Jesus tired from his journey. The disciples said to him, John 4.34, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. They offered him food from a long journey and he made this bold, amazing statement. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and accomplish his work. Jesus knew the father and he knew the father's will and his life, his reason, his purpose was to do the will, was to prove the will and to see it happen and accomplish his work. He backed this up again when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God, Jesus modeled. We often go, what is the will of God? What is the will of God? I just want to be in the will of God. No, no, you are in Christ and you are meant to do the will and prove the will of God. The will of God is not something that we're necessarily in because we're in Christ. The will of God is something that is done. Jesus did the will. So we can look at the life of Jesus and everything that he was valuing, everything that he was teaching on. There's there's themes and there's consistency throughout the, the, the Gospels that we can go, okay, great. We can look at the life of Jesus through the teaching and the doing. We can work out what he's like. And then we can actually authentically, legally say that Jesus came to reveal the Father and to reveal the Father's will. So we look at the life of Jesus and we see on display the will of God. So that's why Matthew is such an important deal. As you go, proclaim and announce the gospel of the kingdom, cast out the demons, raise the dead, cleanse those with diseases and heal the sick. So we've got the preaching and the announcing and all the, all the beautiful teaching and truths. And then we've got the doing. We've got the word of God and we've got the power of God, the presence of God, the spirit of God moving. This is the will of God. Jesus said, my reason and purpose is to do the will of God. Jesus is like, his will is my why. And it's a great question for us to ask. What is my why? What's the reason and purpose for my life? Is it to do His will? Many, many believers would say, well, I just want to be in His will. I'm like, you already are in His will. 
You're in Christ. You're meant to do his will, not be in it. And then we go into Luke 9, 1 to 2. And, and Luke makes this other statement and he, he uses the word power and authority. Now he called his 12 together and gave them power and authority over all the demons and the power to heal diseases. They were given the power to heal diseases. You have been given the power to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. He gave them power and authority. Jesus gave them power and authority. Jesus has given us power and authority. Again, power in the Greek is the word ability, miracle working power, miraculous power. Power is a big deal. Power. 1 Corinthians 4, 18 to 20. This is Paul teaching. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking that I will not visit again, but I will come and soon if the Lord lets me and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. Verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it's living by God's power. Whoa, what a slap in the face. What a challenge. So the people mouthing off in the day, believers carrying on in the church, talking. He said, hey, I'm not interested in the pretentious speaking in just the doing, in just the saying you're a Christian, with the quoting Bible verses. He goes, I'm going to actually come and check if these guys actually carry and move and walk in power. Because then he said, the kingdom of God, it's not just fancy talk. Like, I'm done with just talking, guy. Are you done with talking? I'm done with talking. And I'm not talking about proclaiming power through the gospel because there's power and presence attached to that that changes lives. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just talking about just, just talking about stuff and not doing anything and not backing it up with power, not having signs follow me, not having um, demons being cast out, not having the sick healed or the dead raised. I don't know about you, but I want to see a shift in this. Amen? It was a really large deal among the early church that they both preached and taught but also moved in power. We can see this clearly. So the Greek word for power is ability, miracle working power. Authority, the right over something. That's what the Greek means, the right. You've been given the right over something. Permission, to rule and to govern, to give orders on behalf of, to make decisions on behalf of, and to enforce rules on behalf of. The power to determine, adjudicate, or otherwise settle issues or disputes. It's such a strong word. Power and authority. Wow, this is big. And then we spoke about authority and how that actually plays out. We've got power and authority. And we spoke about declarations and we spoke about how Jesus never prayed for sickness. And I had a lot of people come up to me on Sunday and actually say that I've never heard that before and it actually shifted something in their thinking. And I'm like, awesome. This is what we want to see is these little lies and little areas of thinking that isn't actually 
quite right that be, can that that can become a large stumbling block for people to see some stuff and and to see breakthrough because they're thinking um, in a different way than what the Lord has set us up in. Jesus prayed to the Father, but he actually never prayed for sickness. I'm just going to pump through this in four minutes, and then we're going to talk about Peter. So prayer, prayer are conversations with God. It is communication. It is relational. It is intimacy. It is us asking questions. It's us listening to him. It's us sharing our hearts and how we feel and what we need. It's us telling him what we think about him and what he means to us. It's dialogue. It's back and forth. It's communion. It's this beautiful exchange of us and him. It's quality time with him. Prayer is talking with our God. And often we confuse this with seeing the sick healed and the dead raised and the casting out demons and the cleansing those with diseases. We, we, we're not sure where it fits and how we pray and what we say. And verbiage and language is really important. Often language confirms what we believe. So this is a really big deal for us, for us to understand prayer and for us to understand declaration and for us to understand power and authority and the will of God to heal because authority doesn't ask questions. Authority is strong. Authority lines up with declarations where prayer lines up with intimacy and presence and relationship and our salvation. I want to share a few scriptures about how Jesus prayed with the Father and he never prayed for healing. Let's go. Matthew 14, 23. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. Mark 6, 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Luke 11, 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples. They saw him slip off and pray and they wanted the same thing. Luke 6, 12. One of those days, one of those days Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray, spending the night praying to God. Last one, Mark 1.35 very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Prayer in the Greek is the beautiful word pros UK. Pros meaning with. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Jesus has always been with the Trinity. He's always been one. And he was with them in eternity. Very close face-to-face. It's the same word for prayer, pros, to be face-to-face and to come very close and spend time with. UK is to give our life. So Jesus was giving his life to the Father and becoming face-to-face and talking with him. That's prayer. But then when Jesus used authority, he was making declarations out of authority, out of his right over something, out of his permission, out of his ability to rule, out of his ability to govern, out of his ability to enforce rules and culture from where he was sent. It's a really big deal for us to get. Jesus using his authority. This is what declarations are. They're aligned with authority. 
It's partnering with God's view of reality. Declarations is a black and white thing. It is matter of fact. It's a legal act. It is permitting and forbidding. It is us knowing that we've been given the right over whatever is opposed to the king and the kingdom. It is us ruling and governing. Declarations is aligning ourselves with the Lord and speaking accordingly. It's knowing what he's like, knowing what he's said, knowing his heart and knowing his ways and knowing the word of God and then speaking whatever is opposed and opposite to those things. That is authority and declaration must be partnered with authority for it to come into its full effect. Let's now see some scriptures that align with authority and Jesus operating opposite to prayer that was only with the Father. Here we go. Authority and declarations, Jesus. John 5, 8. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Matthew 8, 3, Jesus says, I'm willing, be cleansed. Mark 5, 40, Jairus' daughter, little girl, I tell you, get up. Luke 7, 14, then he walked over to the coffin and touched it and the bear, the pallbearers stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. Matthew 8, 15, he touched her hand and the fever left her. Matthew 8, 16, he cast out many demons with a word. Full on, the list of Jesus praying, being with God, giving his life to the Father, And then the list of authority and declarations. He didn't pray for healing. He commanded it because it was opposite to the king and the kingdom. And this wasn't just a Jesus thing. He was modeling the Christian life. He became man while still being 100% God. Laid down his divinity. Philippians 2 is the theology of that. Became a servant, human, was born in a manger was limited and tempted in every way without sin. He was anointed by God and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He had to grow in favor and stature and wisdom with God like we do, Luke 1.52 or 2.52. He had to grow in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. He was brought up like a man and had to grow and learn and hear and listen Man, power and authority he carried and he modeled what we can live like and he said, you can do greater works than me. Come on. But it wasn't just him because he he trained up 12 people and we see Peter that was called with his brother. He said, hey, I'll make you fishes of man and immediately Peter followed him. And we had Peter for three and a half years, Peter following Watching, listening, growing, maturing, being confused, being conflicted with Old Testament thinking and new covenant realities. He made mistakes. He fumbled and bumbled and stuttered and, 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 and cut God's ears off. And Jesus said, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Get behind me, Satan. You, you, you don't know what kingdom and spirit you're from. And he said crazy stuff all the time. But phenomenal things were happening in the heart of Peter. He was hungry. And I'm sure he asked the question when he was with Jesus, why not me? 
He was asking the question, why not me? When Jesus said some bold things and he said, are you guys going to leave me too? Peter yelled up loud and said, how can we leave you, Jesus? You have the words of eternal life. There was something special about Peter and Jesus. When he was on the boat in John 21 after the resurrection and Jesus was cooking fish on the seashore, Peter was fishing and he was stripped the Bible says, for fishing. And when he saw that someone said it's the Lord cooking, he clothed himself in honor and jumped in the water and swam to Jesus. And the Lord went through this emotional health, spiritual, powerful journey of healing the three denials that Peter did weeks, months before. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. And he distances himself from Jesus. He made mistakes, but he was hungry and he loved him. That's why he jumped off the boat when the resurrected Christ was on the beach. He did it out of honor. And it makes me explode with passion that he clothed himself and jumped in the water. And they had this powerful exchange that Jesus said, hey, will you feed my sheep? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Will feed my sheep. Three times Peter denied Jesus. Three times Jesus asked him the question, do you love me? And there was restoration there. He was appointed to be a pastor. He was called to be a mighty man who moved in power and signs and wonders and to announce the gospel, to announce the day of Pentecost and say, hey, what you're seeing is crazy, but this is that. This is the prophet Joel's prophecy coming to fruition. He had the privilege of ushering in the presence and the power of God. And then we see everything that Jesus taught start to manifest in the book of Acts in the life of Peter. And we see in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John going to pray in the temple. The gate beautiful was a gate around the city near the temple. There were many gates, but this one particular gate, there was a beggar that was put there um, and he'd been there a very, very long time. I think it was 18 years. It was a very long time. I think from, from the mother's womb, he was actually, um, he was actually um, d- disabled. Yeah, from birth, from birth. He was disabled. So he, he had been um, a beggar. Um, pretty much from when was possible. And back in the day, the parents would just put them there to earn money for the family. And that's a crazy other story. But Peter and John were going to the temple to pray, prosuke, to be with God and to give him their life, praying. But when he got there, he saw the beggar. Remember the history of Peter, learning, growing, maturing, denying Jesus, and then being restored and appointed the pastor. And, Jesus, and, and Peter was walking towards the gate to pray, to be with Jesus, to give him his life again, because it's a daily thing. Daily take up your cross, the Bible says in uh, Mark, Luke 9, 35, I think. And he's walking there and the beggar said, hey, I, I need some money. And remember what, remember what uh, Jesus said in Matthew 10 before he said, raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse that lepers. In verse 4 and 5, he said, do not take any silver and gold for your journey. Do not take a bag. Don't take a satchel. So Peter and John remembered that and they didn't do it. So he's walking to the temple to pray. The beggar says, I need some money. He's begging for alms, the Bible says. And Peter says, I don't have any silver and gold because Jesus told us not to take any. And then this is the cool thing. So Peter's understood prayer because he's going to the temple to pray. 
but watch what happens with authority. Peter says this to him, look at me. He goes, silver and gold I do not have. He goes, look at me. And then he gets his full attention. Peter's walking in authority. He's moving in authority. He's seen so much. He's moved in power and now he's moving in authority. And he says to the beggar, look at me. And then the, the, leper, uh, the beggar looks at him and he said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have, I give you, get up in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And the Bible says that he pulled him by the hand and he was restored. He was jumping and leaping and praising God. And it was that much of a scene that they were dragged before the Sadducees and were in court. And that beautiful account of Peter and John in the court and the beautiful scriptures, Acts 4.10, Acts 4.13, Acts 4.20, Acts 4.24, those four key verses are powerful. And they gave an account and a testimony. And then the Sadducees actually got to a point and said, um, we've seen so many revolts and so many movements happen and, and they died off. And they made this point. They said that, that if this is truly God, nothing's going to stop these men. Peter moved in authority. But where did he get the authority from? He got it from Jesus. I want to read you this incredible verse. Matthew 16, 19. The context is Caesarea Philippi. Jesus saying, who do men say that I am? Peter jumps up and says, you're the Christ the son of the living God. No one else said that. Peter said it. Okay? So this is way back when they're learning and training in the Gospels. Jesus still on the earth. Jesus said, hey, who do men say that I am? Some say Jeremiah. Some say John the Baptist. Hey, guess what? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Guess what Jesus says to Peter? Blessed are you because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. So there was divine revelation by the Spirit of God before the Spirit had been breathed on them by Jesus and poured out at the day of Pentecost. There was this wild moment that almost broke the rules and, Jesus, and Peter got a divine encounter by the Holy Spirit, by the Father in heaven, that said, that revealed Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus stopped and said, blessed are you, because flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And he goes, I'm going to change your name. I'm like, your name's Simon, little pebble, not much. I'm going to change your name to Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I'm going to build my church, Peter. You might be stumbling and bumbling and you might deny me. And we're never disqualified when we make mistakes. But when we've got a heart of repentance and coming back to the Lord, powerful things happen. And he goes, I know, what you, I, know, I know what you're capable of. I know the messes that you're going to make, but I see the potential in you. You are Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. And then he says this in Mark 16, 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. New Living Translation. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. This is an authority verse, and Peter received the keys of the kingdom. You've received the keys of the kingdom. You do a study in the Bible. What do keys represent? They represent authority. Peter was given authority. He was given the keys of the kingdom. So when he saw the beggar, he'd been given power and authority. He was growing, and he said, look at me, silver and gold I do not have, in the name of Jesus, get up. And then we continue on. And, and the life of Peter. 
um, just continued to get absolutely crazy. Acts, Acts chapter 5, two verses later, his shadow was healing people. Then we go into Acts chapter 9, verse 32 to 34. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the saints in Lydia. There he found a man named Ananias, a paralytic who had been bedridden for eight years. Ananias, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and take care of your mat. Immediately, Ananias got up. All those who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Peter didn't pray. Peter didn't go, hey, Jesus, thank you. I love you. Heal him. No, he said, get up. Amazing. Amazing. He said, Jesus Christ heals you. Then Acts chapter 9, he raises the dead. Check this out. A woman who was a follower lived in the city of Joppa. This is Acts 9, 36 to 42. Her name was Tabitha. She did many good things and many acts of kindness. One day she became sick and died. After they had washed her body, they laid her in a room on the second floor. The city of Lydia was near Joppa. The followers heard that Peter was at Lydia and sent two men to ask him to come at once because she died. Peter went back with them. When he came, they took him to the room. All the women, the widows, whose husbands had died, the widows, were standing around crying. They were showing the clothes of Tabitha. They were showing the clothes Tabitha had made while she was with them because she died. Peter made them all leave the room. They were mourning. They were crying. She was dead. Peter said, get out. He had power and authority. He knew the will of God. He knew what he was, meant, he was called to. He knew that he could do greater works than Jesus. And he told them to get out of the room. Peter made them all leave the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. So he said, get out. Then there's this moment of, of not conjuring up faith, not begging God to heal, but to realign to refocus, to recalibrate. He'd probably just been affected with all the wailing, all the pain, all, all the disappointment, the history. They've had husbands that died. So they've attached their husbands dying to their theology and now this girl's dead and there's no hope because nothing happened to their husbands. Widows mourning and wailing and Peter said, please leave. So that's challenging because they might have abused him and he knelt down and he prayed. What did he say? I don't know. Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're good. Jesus, thank you that you're in me. Thank you that you've sent me. Thank you that you've appointed me. Thank you that you commissioned me. Thank you that it's your will to heal. Regardless of that, that's affecting me a bit. But I just align myself with you right now and I praise you and I come close to you and I thank you that you're in me. I thank you that you've come upon me. And then check this out. He turned to the body. So he prayed separate. This is him and God, prayer. And then it said, he turned to her body. And he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened up her eyes and looked at Peter and sat up. He took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then he called in the faithful followers and the woman whose husbands had died. He gave, them, he gave her to them a living person. And many trusted in the Lord. Peter's journey with power and authority. He knelt down and prayed. And then he turned to her and said, get up. This, this, the difference between prayer 
and the difference between authority. And you can say, oh, it's just words. No, 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 it's not just words. We've got to be really careful. We don't rebuke each other. We don't um, get self-condemned when we, when we say, God, if it's your will to pray, or we fumble over our words, or we say, I just pray that they would be healed. No, no, we have grace, and we learn that we don't pray for sickness. We command, we say things like, get up, be clean, be whole, back be straight, muscles align, ligaments grow, cartilage come back, blood vessels increase, um, immune system be strong. We, we call things that are not as though they were. And growing in power and authority is critical for this journey of announcing the gospel of the kingdom, living for Jesus, and having signs follow those that believe. And because of this, I've seen hundreds of miracles through declaring. Our kids' lives today, Bella and Jude, are a result of declarations. I promise you that I've made over two, 3,000 declarations over their life. And I want to encourage you that this is something that we need to grow in, that Jesus is encouraging us to grow in, and it's for you. Why not you?